Hello, everybody. Today we are demonstrating how a movie poster illustration begins by working on the final artwork. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't take an art class, we've got everything you need here at Artcraft critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. Here's where we are at this stage. And it's funny that as much as I did a billion reference photos, I actually had to do another round today because I realized that a lot of the images I had of the Bene Gesserit, who are the main theme in my poster, were not very good. And so I'm just gonna show you guys some of the adjustments I make because I think a lot of people don't realize that reference photos oftentimes they're too dark or it's not of contrast and so this is an image that is far too dark and what i'll actually do i will make it super bright i mean that does not look good but it does help me really see the patterns I'm not going to make it that bright, but this is information that tells me, oh, okay, what is this texture like that's on the face? Or sometimes I have an image like this. Let's brighten that up a little bit more. But I'll go in and I'll actually flip it. Because you can see in my thumbnail, they're facing the other way. So it's actually very rare that I will have a reference photo that I don't mess with. So this one I'm going to use as a reference for the direction of the cloak. And I'm going to now flip it. And I'm going to make it brighter. So for those of you who use reference photos, I'm wondering, do you ever adjust them? Or do you pretty much go in as it is. I just recently did a charcoal workshop yesterday. And one person said to me that they took their reference, which is in full color, and they made it black and white. And how helpful that was, because if you're working in a black and white media, it's a huge help to have all those colors removed. Okay, so you can see here, I I've brightened it up an absurd amount because the original still was super, super dark. I think the ones I'm going to rely on the most, I think this one has the face positioning that I want, but, oh, this one I got to turn the other way too. So you think you've done all your research, <laughs> but actually you haven't still quite a bit to do. I do multiple rounds of reference photos. So this one is more a reference for the shape of the headdress. That one I need to look at. This one I'm going to look at for the shape of the cloak. And this one I might use too. Let's flip this one. I, mean, I know... <laughs> The title of this dream is starting the final art, but you realize later that actually 
you still have a couple more rounds where you have to get more specific than you were in the thumbnail. Okay, so this one you can see the shape of the headdress a lot better. That one too. Okay, and then this is a good one. This is the actual costume, which is separate from obviously <laughs> the person. And I like this one because you can really see what is the flow of the fabric. It looks pretty heavy. So I'll try to think about that. And then here again is helping me understand the silhouette of the person a lot better. All right. I can't believe I'm starting this. So it, <laughs> I think I led you guys on a little bit. This is actually gonna be a painting study because I realized that I hadn't worked out what kind of paint technique I was gonna do. My first thought is to try watercolor because there is a very ethereal feel to this. And so I'm not so sure I want something that has the weight that acrylic has. I might want to keep it very ethereal looking. And everything in Dune in the landscape has a real sandy, yellow ochre, raw sienna look. I always have my sketchbook nearby so I can test out. Okay, that's pretty good. This is the challenge now is I have to really place things. And again, I do have my little aspect ratio. So the aspect ratio is two to three. All right, I think what I'm gonna do first is, oh, it's still too dark. I'm just gonna place in the letters. So they're about here. I mean, I guess I could have gridded it to make sure it's accurate. You know, I probably will do a grid when I do the final piece because the final piece is going to be a lot bigger. So th this is still a study. This is not the main thing. So I think it's okay if it's not perfectly accurate, but for the final thing, I think I will. And I know it's super light. I know it's hard for you guys to see, but I'll get darker in a little bit. Oh, and I need the sandworm. Okay. All right, but already I'm seeing that I need the headdress. And actually, <laughs> in my sketch, it doesn't look that good. I definitely did not have specifics in there because the head is actually very small. So I think I'm already making it too big. Yeah, that's already too big. <laughs> so what I oftentimes do is I'll just dip a rag in there, assuming it's not a dirty rag like the one I have that has blue on it. But that is a quick way to get rid of something if you feel like it's immediately not working. 
because it's the scale thing that I have to work on right now is, am I getting the scale of things? Probably should have gotten a clean rag. Oh, well. It's a lot of grunt work at the beginning. We did a charcoal workshop yesterday and it was very funny because it really was in the only the last 10 minutes that people started to feel like, oh, I'm getting to the fun part. <laughs> okay, and so now here, let's pull the reference of them walking. Because I want to show that really dramatic swoop of the clothing. And there is a slight tilt, which I like. More diagonal. And so actually, you know what I just realized? I, I have two Reverend Mullers. Do you see in the thumbnail how they both... There's only one Reverend Mother. Oh, shoot. Okay, I have to fix that. Okay, so I guess... Oh, maybe I need to revert this because that's the Reverend Mother on the right. I have to pull back and have some of the other Bene Gesserit. Okay, I need a better reference. I think this one is not looking great, but I'll just put in a basic shape. I mean, most of this is the Reverend Mother, so I'm not super worried about it. But, oh yeah, you you kept you continue to catch things the whole time that you're working. It's I still think the head is too big because I need that drama. Okay, so there we have that basic outline. I still think the head is too. Ugh. I need to make that. Oh, and I need my sand reference. Oh, so many references. All right. I can't remember which one I was using. Shoot. I should have gotten these all organized. Maybe it was this one. No, this one's not the right one. I thought there was another one I was using. Does everybody see how slow this is? Oh, it's this one. Okay, here we go. It's just, it's really slow. <laughs> okay, let's figure out how that goes. This is where things start to get really specific and you do have to really work out those minor things There are these almost ellipses, little pieces of ellipses that I would like to have. I like those shapes, they're really beautiful. Okay, so there is sort of a diagonal motion in the landscape, which actually makes it follow what the Bene Gesserit are doing. Okay, I'm really glad I'm doing this study. I definitely did not feel ready 
to jump into the final piece. Okay, now we need a sandworm. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the one I was using. Okay, so the sandworm. Oh, right. I think we moved it up. It used to be down here at the bottom. Tell me in the chat, does anybody feel like the first bit of a painting is just so slow? So slow. <laughs> okay, yeah, the sandworm. I'm going to put the sandworm. It, it is a little lower than the Bene Gesserit, and it's also not going off the page. And really, I'm just trying to show the, the circular part of it and the, the body of it as well, which... Okay, so that's sort of nice because you have the Bene Gesserit going that way and you have the sandworm going that way. It's funny, I put so much prep work into this. I think a lot of you saw the work I was doing with my pretend art director, who is an actual art director, <laughs> and how different that was. Okay, let's see what people are saying in the chat. And who here is drawing along? I mean, I don't think you should do my poster, but maybe you're doing something else. Like Lisa is doodling graph design thumbnails digitally. And Jane says that I flip a lot of my references. Like recently, I did that with the flamingo from our reference photo collection. I think it's a good move because a lot of times if you fix the reference photo, it gets closer to what you want. And also the more you manipulate your reference photo, the further away you get from that. I was talking to people in the charcoal workshop yesterday about how when you stray from the reference, you tend to experiment more and you also tend to more invent the scene. So it's not entirely the reference photo. Johanna says acrylic inks diluted. I'm not sure. I haven't been painting much lately. And so I feel a little out of it. My brain was in the acrylic inks a couple months ago. And I just haven't been painting enough <laughs> to feel that way. It, it might be something like all watercolor with little touches of acrylic ink. But I don't think I want this one to be super acrylic inky because I want to keep that ethereal quality. Slate says, creative license to Reverend Mothers now. Someone else in the galaxy must dress like her. <laughs> Maybe it's wannabe Reverend Mother. 7A says, yes, the start of a painting feels slow and clunky. All these blobs. And you're like, I'm making this into something, right? Yes. People have commented on my live streams. I think it's really funny. They'll say, yeah, Clara, that first hour and a half, I, I didn't know if you were going to make it. <laughs> and then you pulled it together at the last minute. But I just think that is the pacing, that it just doesn't look like much for a very long time. Yes, absolutely, George. First part of the painting lays down the foundation. 
have to get it right, especially for the movie poster, the, the real one, is I have to make sure all the proportions and everything are correct. I'm not usually somebody who stresses about proportions, but when you have to do something that's that close to the sketch so you don't piss off your art director, that's a very important thing. Manette says, working on the art there, trying to let go of my need for perfection. Who here feels like they could use some of that? Who here feels like they are too much of a perfectionist and maybe it's getting in the way of the work you want to do? I don't think I'm a perfectionist per se, but I do think I get picky. I'm not sure if that's the same thing. Oh, I like this shape a lot better because in the thumbnail, obviously I didn't put a lot of effort into articulating that particularly, but I do really like just that silhouette I think is very beautiful. And actually she's sort of bending. I feel like maybe I should do that. Okay, so maybe let's push her forward a little bit so we get a little more of that. Okay, so actually I do need to do quite a bit of erasing back here because I think I put her head too far back, so I'm going to move it forward. And this is one of the nice things about watercolor. It's so easy to get away from. Oh, actually, I'm curious because a lot of people, I know it's really common to start out sketching for a painting with pencil. So I'm wondering how many of you guys sketch with pencil and then go to the watercolor? Because my preference is not to do that. I just feel like I'm not thinking in terms of paint and I need to get myself into that mindset immediately. Okay, so let's actually put another Bene Gesserit here, but I'm not going to do the same silhouette as what was there before. And I'm going to add these really cool looking wrinkles that are in the middle. The drapery is just so beautiful. I'm just so into that. So I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I need the, the head has to go like, I put it way too far to the left. Okay, I think that's better. Although, I think this is not curved enough, tilted. Let's try this. Because this tilt is very important. It's a big part of the gesture of what's happening here. Okay, so let's make this a little lower and a little more diagonal. Okay, I think that's better because it was a little bit too high. And again, I'm keeping this loose. I'm not, oh wait, I don't like that. I think that's too much. Okay, let's go back and fix it. <laughs> you really do have to draw things multiple times 
it often does not work the first time you do it. And you can see I just changed it and now I'm changing it back, which is fine. It's the way it has to be. Ryan T says, I can be a perfectionist, but I find that it is really me being too precious with the supplies, <laughs> especially arches. Well, arches is so expensive. It's really hard to loosen up on a piece of paper that costs like $10. But I hate working on cellulose, so then I end up doing nothing. It can be paralyzing. Sometimes when we feel very nervous about doing something, we end up not doing it at all. Yes, we provide plenty of artsy conversations here. <laughs> Jess is going to do a watercolor landscape. By the way, everybody, I am doing the programming for workshops in March and April. So if anybody has any topics for workshops you'd like to suggest, now would be a good time <laughs> because I'm, I'm literally working on it later this afternoon. And so if you guys give me your workshop topic suggestions now, I can actually take them under consideration. Okay, so Paula does pencil. And Jane does the sketching too. C. Cantrell says sketching with paint. DC says depends. Sometimes pen in India ink. Yeah, it's really great to see. There's so many different ways. Anna says, never. Always sketch with paint or oil pastel, but I'm deathly afraid of watercolors. So maybe I would if I worked with them. I don't think I was afraid of watercolors, but I just knew I was really bad at it. And that was enough <laughs> to persuade me to not use it for a couple decades. It's really kind of dumb in retrospect. <laughs> Real Deal says I can relate to being too perfectionistic and that it slows me down. For me, it's different. It makes it so I make the ending part take forever. That's where I get picky, where I just go, oh, a little this, a little that. And it's like nothing's actually changing that much. But it's hard for me to say that something is finished. That That's what I really have a hard time with is when, when do you walk away? I'm curious, does anybody here have a system for when you walk away? Because I wish there was an alarm that went off. Ding, you're all done. It would surely be nice. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. For me, it's usually when I start noticing that the changes I'm making are not really doing anything. That to me is usually a pretty good sign that it's time to move on to something else. I think there's too much purple in here. I got to work in more yellow ochre. So I'm just using this color that's just on the palette because why not? And I'm going to pull in some more Yellow, actually, raw sienna. I've been thinking about raw sienna. I don't know if people saw the short I released yesterday. Lauren painting her friend Sonia. And I just 
find it hilarious that Lauren has a jar of paint that says Sonya on it. Like, that just cracks me up so bad. Okay, let's get into some bigger stuff so I can start putting down some kind of tone that has more form to it. So I'm switching to a much bigger brush just so I can get the shape of the sandworm in there a little better. Oh, I feel like I made it too big at the top. So I always have a rag handy that ensures that I can make changes really, really fast. Okay, and so now for the bottom, I'm just gonna block in just color. So this is sort of nice because you can see I have the grounding down here. I know where the landscape is gonna be, but I can paint over it really easily. Because really what I'm trying to do now is just fill in a sense of atmosphere. It's just a really light wash to make that happen. And then up here, I'll still have some as well. So that's the first pass. Okay, and the Bene Gesserit are very, very dark. And I'm going to go in maybe like a light ultramarine dioxazine purple because complementary colors. We've got the yellows of the landscape and the worm. And now let's do some purpley tones. My favorite new purple, dioxazine purple. It's awesome. Who here has a favorite purple or blue? I, I, I love ultramarine. <laughs> ultramarine never fails me. And dioxazine purple, I'm also a giant fan. Loving that right now. Okay, so let's do the headdress first. Okay. Oh, and actually, I'm going to tilt this because it is a little tilted. So let's go in and make it so the direction's a little bit better. I think it's more like this in my drawing. Yeah, that's better. I think before I was having trouble and I was making it a little bit too straight up. So actually before I go in and really, let me go in and fix this because I feel like it's still not great. It's still a little bit too wet, but whatever. So let's really get that shape a lot better. I'm actually, I'm just gonna paint in a silhouette right now because that matters more. Already too much here in the front. So you'll notice I, I do just as much with the watercolor, with the rag as I do with the watercolor, especially in the beginning when you're just getting things to work. Okay, so now I'm gonna to switch to this reference. So that way I can block this in. 
switching to the big brush. And again, silhouette. I'm not going to do more than that because the rest of it is not important. Because if I don't have the silhouette, I don't have anything. Okay, so actually this section here, there's quite a bit of atmosphere that comes in. So the clothing disappears a little bit. So I'm just gonna go in and remove a couple spots to remind myself that that's what's happening. There's that really strong transition that happens, but I, I don't wanna lose the silhouette up here. I feel like up here I need it more. Okay, that feels better. I think that placement is more what I was looking for. Okay, and now let's get the second Bene Gesserit wannabe Reverend Mother. I mean, there's got to be one of them who wishes they were the Reverend Mother, right? There's always one, but I mean, I haven't seen the second movie yet. We don't know what happens, <laughs> but there's always somebody who's just very jealous. I think what's very important about this composition is transitions. Actually, I'm going to lower this one just a bit more. God, I really should have cleaned my rags. So this transition, so I'm going to do a lot of rubbing. So that way things really blend into each other like this. Because I'm thinking a lot of the transitions are very smooth. So a lot of smudging like that. Okay, I need to do more on the landscape. I'm trying to really work everything at the same time. And actually, let's give this uh, sandworm a little bit more in terms of value. Oh, too much. In general, I don't like to use my watercolor in a really watery way. I tend to like it better when it's smooth. And let's see what's happening. Killer is asking, how do you find answers faster in your process? I find during drawing this questions can add up but struggle committing to gaining clarity and committing. You don't make it faster. <laughs> you, you just can't rush it. it. It takes time to arrive at whatever it is you're trying to do. That does not change. I mean, to me, the equivalent is hoping that your bake, your cake will bake in half the time it's supposed to. You can't rush that. It just takes time to bake a cake. Just be patient. Really, that is a huge difference. Okay, so Amanda likes cobalt blue. Cobalt violet. Prussian blue. I don't know. We're sort of like on and off being Prussian blue. I, I don't think Prussian blue is the one. But yeah, I, I guess I hang out with them now. We don't really date anymore. 
Yeah, I'd like to dig into the phthalo colors more. I just always felt like they were so powerful. And as you say, unnatural and strong pushes the other colors as kind of a bully. It is. Once you put in a little bit of phthalo blue, it's just a really powerful color. I feel like you can add gobs of yellow ochre and it doesn't do any harm. But the phthalo colors, absolutely. Amethyst purple. I haven't heard of that before. I'm wondering what type of paint that is. Uh-oh. Someone's talking about Daniel Smith. <laughs> Moon glow. Purple with some yellow. Oh, man. I have to. <laughs> I got to get on the Daniel Smith board. Maybe I should buy some for the final art because everybody swears by Daniel Smith. And I feel sort of dumb that I never used that brand before. Okay, so Ryan also likes Moon Glow. More of a neutral, cobalt teal, permanent violet. Cobalt violet, oh man, you guys, I need to <laughs> go shopping again. <laughs> and we also have other people talking about when to finish. 7A says, walk away from work when my frustration levels reach maximum. I can't look at it anymore. Not sure that's best practice. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Where I look at it, I'm like, I don't know if it's done, but I can't look at this anymore. It's driving me crazy. So that I guess that's a signal where it's like, yes, I'm, I'm going to walk away. <laughs> that would be very, very important. Yeah, I think I'm going to blame it on digital technology that things just happen so fast. And usually if we want something, we can get it right away. I mean, when I was a kid, you had to walk over to the bookshelf, take an encyclopedia, look up the thing you were looking for. I mean, now it's like click, click, boom, I have the information, which is kind of insane when I think about it. And I just think we're not used to waiting for things. And so our patience, I, I don't think it's where it should be. Oh, shoot. Did I, did I pull up the wrong thumbnail? Oh my gosh, I totally did. That is the old thumbnail. I didn't put, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb, you guys. Okay, I, I'm going <laughs> to go and Pull up the real thumbnail. I can't believe I did that. That is so stupid. Yeah, make sure you guys are using the right thumbnail because I can't believe that I did that. Did I never scan them? Did I? Oh my gosh, I didn't. Okay, this is a very good lesson for everybody. <laughs> if you want to work on the final art. Maybe you should pick the latest thumbnail. I can't believe I did that. That is so ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I never downloaded. Okay, I feel really, really dumb. <laughs> I can't believe I made that mistake. Oh my, it's really different, you guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I'm so impressed with myself. This is really impressive. 
<laughs> Talk about dumb mistakes. Gotta pay attention more. Okay, so I got the... I'm just gonna import this in. And then you guys can take a look at the real sketch. <laughs> you guys, I'm so dumb. I can't believe I did this. So note to self, everybody. Because actually, you know something? Let me pull this back up. Okay, here we go. It's right. <laughs> I'm so stupid, you guys. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, well, all right, the sandworm's not there anymore. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. This this is really who's impressed by my mistake. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh wow. The the words are so much smaller. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is why I need to pay attention. And actually, I remember my freshman year at RISD, one of the first lessons I learned. Okay, so the sandworm's all the way down here. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, so he's around here. Um, one of the lessons I really learned was that when you get the brief, the prompt, whatever. Read it multiple times. Because we often have the assumption that, oh, I know. But with stuff like this, you don't always know. As we can see. Because it's usually pretty clear who read the instructions twice and who made assumptions about things and my professor he nailed us on so many things where it just was so obvious that we didn't take the time to read things properly oh my gosh okay it's very good that i'm doing this can you imagine if i'd done this on the final art <laughs> and showed up with it oh here it is and she's like oh wrong sketch well, so maybe making that mistake was a good thing. Mistakes are good, right? They, they, they are very important to the learning process. Okay, so let's blend that <laughs> sandworm here. <laughs> I love how you guys watch my mistakes in real time. Like you get to see them happening. <laughs> that horrible realization that you've messed up everything. It just, it comes forward. Okay, so let's... The, the wording is more up here and it's actually white. So I think up here, I'm going to go real dark because that's actually the darkest part of the piece. So let's just throw down some really bold blues and purples because I need the value range right now for the letters. And I'll just paint the letters in acrylic or something like that. Okay, so here is the darkest part of the composition. 
and I can get dark, dark, dark. Let's get some real dark purple. Okay, that's still not dark enough. I need to really pick up that blue. Oh, here, this is some Prussian blue. I think that will help. Yeah, the Prussian blue is really good for value. It's, it's great when you want to make something look black, but you don't want it to be actual black. Yeah. Okay, that's better. Let's blend that a little more. Still not dark enough, but I do like to build things up slowly. Let's do a little more on the landscape, which is here. And the landscape is very brown. Is that, I think this is, that's not blown sienna, is it? This looks like raw umber to me. It doesn't quite have a lot of yellow. And raw sienna. I think raw sienna is going to be the base color of this color scheme. I mean, to be honest, I don't really like raw sienna that much. It just feels like dark yellow ochre, which I don't get that excited about. But that's me. Everybody has such a different present preference. All right, let's get in some really thick raw sienna. So I guess the technique I'm going to try here today is just let everything blend into each other. So there's a real soft edge look to everything. And actually, it's interesting. There's a sort of like pink. Hmm. I wonder if I want to give it like raw sienna with a little touch of pink. Let's see what that looks like. Okay, so raw sienna, and let's just add a little bit of alizarin crimson. So a tint of red. I don't want it actually pink, but I do want it to be a little bit different than the color. Oh, that's too much color at the bottom. And the, the top is very light in value, so I don't need that much. Let's remove that immediately. So that's what I'm after is very soft edges. I'll have a couple areas of emphasis, but I don't want anything to get that well articulated. Okay, we need serious value here if I'm going to get those words in. I feel like I need acrylic ink. I don't know. These are like all empty. I'll find it later. I'll just do watercolor for now. But I think the final I'll probably need acrylic ink there. I need more purple. Okay, that's better. And you can see there's all these opportunities for bleeds. So I can come in here and just soften that up and it'll create a really cool bleed love bleeds 
And let's push some of this up into the clothing. And right now I'm only looking at the thumbnail. I'm not looking at the references because it's not necessary. I'm looking at the shapes. So I'm going to make this even darker at the bottom, like really trying to make it like black down here. And up here, I'm going to, it's a little bit too dark. I mean, this is more what I'm after is just the, the feeling, the atmosphere, some of the colors, like I'm not even going to do a lot of detail here. And it's also just a way for me to get into the mindset of the painting. It's basically like a big rehearsal warm-up situation. Let's get some more opaque raw sienna in here. Okay, now that's starting to feel like a painting. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. <laughs> And <laughs> I see control. I can imagine because I've had to work with clients and I've done some stupid stuff. Say la vie. Yeah. So I'm glad this is a fake movie post. Because really, if I got a professional guy, I go use the real thumb. Like you never will mess it up again when you've done something that dumb. And when it's under high pressure, when it's a professional gig. Well, I'm so glad you can join us, Melanie. Shaw is asking, what do you think, how many years is AI going to fully take up the art scene? Do you mean take it over or just become more prominent? I think it's going to take time, much longer than it's taken for AI to develop and be out there. The art world is notoriously slow with stuff like that. I mean, I was sort of surprised that Christie's jumped on that nft thing so quickly that that just seemed really out of character for what i typically see in the art world but who knows i mean it's really really hard to predict that type of thing and hi ember i'm so glad you can join us hi chris Say hello, everybody. You don't have to be part of the conversation, but say hi. I'd love seeing new names in the chat. Slate says, Daniel Smith has pigments made from minerals like tiger's eye, all glittery, good for applying a finishing touch. Stop telling me the stuff, you guys. Oh, my gosh. You're not helping. <laughs> And Real Deal says, older than you, clearly remember in the 80s when on-demand videos in the information age were projected as things that would exist in the future. Wonderful, the info available now. Yes, it's extraordinary. But one thing that I think is a little bit of a bummer is there's actually a lot of stuff out there that's only available on DVD or tape even because I've had some things I've been trying to find. Like actually... <laughs> You know what I really want to find? Did anybody here see Saltburn? 
I just watched that the other day and I, I was surprised by it. I actually thought it was pretty good, but it's loosely based on Brideshead Revisited, if anybody has seen that before, where, I mean, he's not evil in <laughs> Brideshead Revisited. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on, but it's not like evil, like Saltburn. And so, you you know, the one I like is the one with Matthew Good, because he's an artist too in that movie. But there's an older Brideshead Revisited that has Jeremy Irons in it that I really want to see, but it's not available anywhere. And there used to be stores like Kim's Video in New York City, which just had these extraordinary collections of movies and short films that you couldn't get anywhere else. And the thing is, a lot of these streaming services don't have it. Or some of the services, like a show will just disappear and then you just can't watch it. It's sort of a pain. I know that's such a tiny portion of the stuff people want to watch, but that that's the one sort of loss that I wish somehow we could find a replacement for. Shaw says, what do you think in the times of technology should a traditional artistic traditional art or move to modern digital art and stuff? I think you should do whatever you want. I don't think one is better. They're just different. I think the one time where you would have to absolutely move to digital is if you work in, say, the animation industry. You can't be a part of a team and be like, I think I'll oil paint this. No, you have to be working on Photoshop and stuff like that. I haven't done it. I mean, I'm a traditional artist. I've tried some digital stuff. I haven't really had the time to take a deep dive, but honestly, I just love art supplies so much. I think it would be hard for me to transition to digital. If I did do digital, it would be a supplement. I use digital quite a bit when I'm sketching. If I'm doing thumbnails and I need to quickly switch something around, I'll do it for that. But the actual image, the painting part, I don't have a lot of interest in doing that digitally. <laughs> Ryan says, didn't you say you were going to set up a wet? Yes, I did. And if you guys go to artprof.org, oh, wait, maybe I didn't put it in the main menu bar. Hang on, let me pull up the website because then you guys can see because yeah, I did set up something. So that way, if people have supplies and you're curious about my opinion, or sometimes I do comparison videos. I'm just gonna pull that up real quick for you guys to see. So we're calling it Art Supply Reactions. All right, I found the page. Here it is. So if you guys just type art supply reactions into the search bar at artprof.org, you can see that we have explanations for how that works. So we have uh, Amazon wish list, and I'll do an unboxing. I'll test it on the live stream. I did that with liquid charcoal. And you can also send stuff for a teaching artist. So Lauren, Dorian, Jordan, book, art supply, whatever, and they'll make a short. So you can see this is Kat showing these pencil grips. And we do those videos. And if there is something you would like to send us, but it is not 
in our wish list, you can definitely go and just comment somewhere on any of our social media, in our Discord, whatever. And I'm happy to add items to our wish list if that's something people are interested in. Oh, I'm so glad you joined the Domenici, Megan. Awesome. Yeah, you'll get an email from me. I'm a little backed up on the weekends, but I do try to catch up. So you'll hear from me very soon. Anna says, Tubi, it has a lot of indie and arty films for free. I think I've heard about that. I haven't looked at it, though. Ike says, I'm with, oh, a thank you for working live and without a safety net. If you only would show perfection and control, nobody would learn about the pitfalls. You being human, doing human things is very helpful. Well, I'm so glad. <laughs> Honestly, if I went in, let's say I took a two-hour live stream and I just had stuff that worked well, I feel like the video would be like two minutes. <laughs> you get, most of this is stumbling around and trying to realize what you need to fix. <sighs> oh, Sonnet, you're already looking forward to it. Yeah, so my first thought about Art Prof was back in 2014. I didn't get anybody involved until 2015. But technically speaking, 2024 will be our 10-year anniversary. I'm hoping to be able to get the staff together. It's just Jordan's all the way in LA and we need to fly him out, but I don't have the funding to do that. But yes, we will do something special. And Paula says, New York Times article, how it's a myth that all movies are available on demand is a problem for those who want to view indie or less known films. There is a film that my kid really wanted to see and thank goodness they had it on DVD at the library, but it was one of those types of tiny, not well-known films, but is impactful. I mean, I think especially for people who are following, studying film as a student, missing out on stuff that is not mainstream, I think from an educational point of view is not a great idea. Okay, let's put the sandworm back. Because at the very least, I want to get in those things. By the way, everybody, Ashley, my pretend but real <laughs> art director, sent me the information I need to start the final illustration. And so I haven't shared that yet, but I will very soon. I'll probably make a short about her feedback so you guys can all see that. So that'll be coming soon. Because it, it's amazing, so much work to get to the point where you can actually do something with the final art. I need a better paper towel, hang on. Okay, this one's not quite as yucky. And she was such a good art director, oh my God. I hope, 
I got to work with art directors as good as she was because she was, oh my God. I, I really felt she was so good that I felt like I didn't have to do very much. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'm used to a fine art situation where I'm doing everything. I make all the decisions. I call the shots, which in some ways is great. I mean, some people really like being the one that calls the shots, but it's really nice to get feedback. And I never thought about it that way, that artists are always craving feedback. At least I know I am. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, wow, if I work as an illustrator, the feedback is part of the process. And I, I just love that. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing. Because it is hard to get feedback. How many people here feel like getting feedback is a hard thing to get? I think it is. I think it's extremely rare for somebody to know enough people that they trust, that they really think are going to do a good job and help them. I think that's extremely rare that people have that. I mean, I'm lucky. I do have people like that in my life, but I know most people do not. Okay. And this Bene Gesserit in the back is going to be very light. Look at this. And I'll give her a little more of a shoulder. But I really like the drapery here. I think it's really cool. In fact, let's go in with some dark, dark purple. And let's really get in some of that dark. Because I want to show that drama of this. And I'll just put in, I might actually use a little black with the purple, just to show some of the, because this is really cool. I love all this. Oh, the drapery is so beautiful. Those costumes, oh my God, just blows me away what they're able to make. So there you can start to see some of the folds. Okay. okay, this is the one that really needs to be dark though. So maybe I'll put black over here. This one has to be very luscious and thick. Oh, yay, it's starting to look not a mess. <laughs> and again, I'm not going to finish this finish, like all the way finish. I'm just trying to get a feel for things. And this starts to feel like it's <laughs> going somewhere. All of a sudden, it's kind of cool the way that looks. 
Now see here, I think it's too much articulation. So I'm gonna simplify this a little bit. I think I need another pass. Watercolor is all layering. And so that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like it so much, but it just takes a long time to build. Okay, let's do a little bit more on the one in the back. I'm going to give it a little bit more dark back here, but I'm going to keep the one in the back pretty atmospheric. Okay, let's go in really dark with the sandworm. Need this. Although, you know what? I think that's too much. I think I don't want the value of the sandworm to compete with the value of the Bene Gesserit. So let's keep this a little bit lighter. But I do want to add a little more atmosphere because the Sandworm has a lot of dust around him for good reason. So I'm just going to try to add a little bit more of a transition around the sandworm. Oh, this is starting to be fun. <laughs> Isn't that cool? When you get to the point, you're like, oh, it's actually fun now. It really is a huge difference. So here I'm just adding washes to make the sandworm fit into that atmosphere a little bit more. That. And this Bene Gesserit, I think, needs a little more clothing. And I do want to get it darker towards the bottom. So that way things blend a little more. Okay, I do think that silhouette should be a little bit brighter, but it's very wet right now, so I'm not going to do that in the moment. Okay, so there we go. Now we have some shapes. Actually, that's not dark enough. Just lost the darkness. This is the part that has to be really dark, because that's where the letters are going to go. So I really need to build that up. And I think I lost some of the raw sienna at the bottom. So let me go in and pump up that color a little bit more. Okay, that feels better. So you can see there, that is the basis of the piece. It's just these big shapes. Yeah, I know the sandworm's kind of mushy. <laughs> Let's give the sandworm a little more presence. Because I think this big hole in the middle is pretty important. And maybe the bottom of the sandworm could use more articulation. I mean, it's sort of messy, but it's not a big deal. Because again, this is more me testing the transitions. And just looking at the shapes, because in the thumbnail, there's a lot of 
details and stuff, but I have to make sure that these big shapes are really working before I do any of that. Okay, let's let that dry a little bit. Actually, I'm going to do more. I think this got a little bit too green. So I'm just popping in a little bit of red. Bring back the warm colors here. I think that's a little bit better. This blue keeps moving down, but I think that's okay. You guys, my art director's here. Oh, awesome. Yeah, this is just the beginning. This is me testing things out. But everybody here, you should tell Ashley how awesome the feedback was. I was so thrilled and we had so many comments, people talking about how specific the feedback was, how comprehensive it was. And actually the art director's shorts we've been doing have been incredibly popular. People are sharing them left and right. So for those of you who did get to see Ashley's feedback, I'd love to hear about it because honestly, the press is not very glamorous. The sketches don't look amazing and it's a lot of back and forth. And so I sort of thought, oh, this is not very glamorous. Probably it won't be one of our more popular shorts, but I was surprised. I was like, wow, people really are fascinated by seeing this process. And at first I was like, I don't know why. And Lauren said to me, she said, seeing Ashley's feedback felt like we were getting insider information because it's not out there. I, I've looked online to see if there are any videos that show that, and there really aren't. I think probably the reason is because if you are doing a professional gig, you can't share it. You're probably under NDA or something like that. But because this is a pretend movie poster, I was able to just share everything. So I, I was like thrilled. Oh, see, Kentrell's asking, how did I meet Ashley? So Ashley's part of the community here. I met Ashley through our prof and we actually went to California together. Gosh, was that two years ago with Jordan? I don't know if people saw the videos where we visited that ghost town, Bodie, Actually, oh my gosh, I have I have a video that's in the can. I still haven't edited it. It's like two years ago. I know it's really dumb. <laughs> oh, thanks, you guys. Because, you know, when somebody's that good at what they do, I'm like, they need to know. They need to see how incredibly informative all of this has been. Like Emmett says, super educational. And Ashley confirms, yes, every job has an NDA until the work goes live. Yeah, so typically speaking, somebody who is in this field is not able to share what they are making. And I, I'm just relieved. <laughs> I don't know, Ashley, if you saw, but early in the stream, I had the wrong thumbnail. And <laughs> I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. I need a better thumbnail. I need the thumbnail that we agreed upon. <laughs> And Manette says, hard to get feedback, harder to get honest, constructive feedback. Giving a critique is a skill. You really have to have experience with it. I've got decades of experience, but I'll tell you, I was not that great at critique in the beginning. 
I feel like all those hours logged in the classroom, that's why I feel pretty good about my critique skills. Lisa says, hard for me to ask for feedback. I'm not sure I really want to hear what they have to say, <laughs> trying to break that habit. Well, Lauren and I were saying that the problem oftentimes, and we all do this, is somebody will give feedback. And then my first reaction is, well, I did that. Or, well, I'm going to do that. There's this initial defensiveness that I think we all have when we get a critique. And so for me, I have to shift my mindset. I can't be defensive. I have to be in a place where I'm going to listen. Because <laughs> sometimes you get critique and it's like you just don't want to hear it. Or sometimes you don't want a full-out critique. Because in the Patreon group, we do full-out critiques. I mean, I write essays to people about their work. But that's why we also have the show and tell channels in the Discord. Because sometimes people don't want to critique. They just want to share. And, and that's absolutely valuable as well. Yes. I'm glad you missed it too. <laughs> this is why it's a pretend game. <laughs> you would have been like rolling like, oh my gosh. You would have been so horrified. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not past the hot mess. <laughs> yet but i am learning melanie says i have to be careful who i ask for feedback sometimes i've been creatively swayed the wrong way by the wrong kind of feedback oh there's lots of bad advice out there just because you get feedback from somebody it doesn't mean it's good feedback i mean i've seen just around people giving terrible advice I mean, it makes me wish I could just go in there and be like, no, 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 don't do that. But ultimately, as the artist, you have to be the one to make that decision. So let's say you get feedback and two people are telling you something very different. That's actually a very good experience because then you can say, well, who do I want to listen to? And then why do I want to listen to that person? Why do I feel that their feedback is going to help me more than the other person? Yeah. Good idea for backgrounds. We should do a background workshop. Do people think that's a good idea? Because I get a lot of people saying that they want to get better at backgrounds, but don't really know where to begin. We do have a track called Landscapes and Backgrounds. So we have that available on the website. And that's a place where you can do really structured prompts and really exercise different muscles when it comes to that. There, isn't that fun? I made that little swoop with the paper towel. <sighs> Manette says, sometimes feedback depends on the context. I can get feedback on a painting, but when I give context of what, who it's for, feedback sometimes changes. Yes, you'll notice in our Discord and critique channels, if you post an artwork for critique, we ask people to really tell us what you're thinking. And so oftentimes people will come in, they don't have a lot of critique experience and they'll post it and say, what do you think? But Manette, what you're saying, context matters. Are you doing this drawing just to practice your pen technique 
or is this an illustration or is this a children's book cover? Like all that stuff really, really matters. And so that's why we ask people to type quite a bit. Karasu says, I'm taking a mixed media class. One piece of feedback I got was, quote, I love seeing your art. This is from the instructor. Oh gosh, that's not helpful. Actually, I mean, we have a stream that's about annoying art advice. The one I really don't like is push it. Why? Like, what does that mean? I, I know what they're trying to say, but that's so vague. And that's the type of advice that bothers me. It's so vague. You have no idea where to go with that. We do have space in our clothing and drapery workshop that is coming up on Saturday, February 24th. That's an opportunity to work with me in real time, get feedback on your pieces, and to get all sorts of resources to support that. Join our Open Studios Club. We've been having so much fun in here. This is basically a work session, except unlike the workshop, you get to work on your personal projects. It's super casual. And I, I found it helpful myself because I started working on pieces that honestly would have sat there for a very long time. And it's a great place to make art friends. We've just been having a blast in there. Join me in the Discord right after the chat. I will be in post live streams and I'll post some photos of what this looked like so you guys can see that up close. Join our Patreon group. This is a chance to share your art in weekly voice sessions. These are the types of long nerdy critiques that I provide and another place that you can make art friends. Art Prof has services. We have artist calls, portfolio critiques, statement editing, and personal art curriculums. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.